Part 13, Zoe, the life of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for giving me utterance. Father, give each individual here a spirit of wisdom, revelation knowledge of you and your word, and enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give each individual exactly what they need to hear today. Answer to questions so they can make course corrections in life so that we can enjoy all the riches, honor, and life that Jesus paid for us to have. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go to the first one, Mandy. 1 John 5, verse 11 is this. It says, This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So we know that we already have it. It's past tense. He already gave it to us. And we saw that, uh, that uh, it's just like if I gave you a car. It's now your car. Whether you put gas in it is not up to me. It's up to who? You. And if you drive it, it's not on me, right? It's up to you. It's the same thing with this life. What you do with this life that He gave to us is up to us. Okay, go to the next one. We saw this, that there's three Greek words in the Greek New Testament for life. And in the English Bible, if you don't realize that there's three different words, it could get confusing. And that's why people think that the Bible uh, contradicts itself. So what you want to do is look up on your esword.net or get your Strong's Concordance and find out if you're confused which life it's talking about. The first word, life, is bios. It's natural life. It's plant life. It's animal life. It's temporary. It's where we get the word biology from. The second one is suke, which is your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Right? It's your soul. It's immortal. But it's not eternal. It does not cease to exist. But Zoe, that's the life of God, is eternal. And that means it's perpetual. It's instantly and constantly new. Every second. Brand new, brand new, brand new. It's like having your gas tank on full all the time. Wouldn't that be great? Amen. Okay, so go to the next one. We saw this in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 10. That always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, the Zoe also of Jesus, might be made manifest in our body, or shown naked for everybody to see in our body, the life of Jesus. Now, it says there's two things, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord. So what we need to know, the key to getting the life of Jesus is that Jesus died. It's nothing that we did, right? And there's nothing that we can do to blow it, right? Because it's what Jesus did is that gives us the entrance to this life. You all following that? Okay? So we want to remember that all the time. Because hell will tell you, you know, you don't deserve that. You know what you did. You know you ain't measuring up. Right now, you know what? Jesus died so that I could have that life. End of story. It's free. It's a gift. If you had to do something for it, it wouldn't be a gift, right? Okay, but now look at this. It says that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Not when we get to heaven, but right now in our body. The same life that Jesus has in our body. But if it might, I also know that it might not. And most Christians live in might not. I don't know too many that have the life of Jesus in their body. Y'all found that? So what we've been trying to do is figure out how do we move ourselves from might not into the might side of the equation. Amen? All right, go to the next one. Now, we saw this in 2 Peter 2 and chapter 1. We're going to start here and go over these things that gives us the entrance into the might. It says this in verse 2, that grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So if you want favor, that's what grace is, and if you want peace in your life, the way that it comes to you is through what? Knowledge, knowledge of God. You've got to know God's character. If you know for yourself Him, right, it's just like me and my wife. When we started dating, I didn't have knowledge of her character. Now that we've been married 20 years, I've got a lot more knowledge of her character. I know how she's going to act and react in certain situations. I know what stuff not to say so she doesn't throw plates at me. Right? I mean, you know, you follow that? But, but at the same time, I also know what, what I can do to... to uh, have a, a better relationship with her so that she'll talk to me, that she'll love on me. I know those things to do too. Well, with God, when we figure those things out, how to have that relationship with Him, it becomes easier. Okay, go to the next one. Verse 3. 
according to His divine, or it said in the Greek, the Godhead's power, that's all the power of the Father, all the power of the Son, and all the power of the Holy Ghost. How many know that's a lot of power? Isn't that a lot of power? That's all the Godhead's power. He hath given to us, past tense, He already gave us all things that pertain to life, zoe, that eternal life, and godliness, which is being just like God. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Who He says He's already given us everything. that we. And how does all that stuff come through the knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue? So again, knowledge is the key. Do you see that again? Now look, it says in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Aren't the promises great? They're almost too big for us to you know, get our, our minds around. They said that by these great and precious promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature. And we saw in the Greek that that exact word says that you would be an equal partner with the Godhead. That's big. That on the letterhead that heaven sends out, God the Father, right? God the Holy Ghost, God the Son Jesus, God the Son Mike, God the Son Joe, God the Son Eric, God the Son Kim, God the Son... Y'all follow that? You're an equal partner with the Godhead. That's a pretty big promise, isn't it? He said, you be an equal partner with the Godhead having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Go to the next one. And beside this, beside these great promises, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity, which is God kind of love, agape. Go to the next one. For if these nine things, I'm telling you they're nine because we counted them all up, right? So if these things, these nine things be in you and they abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, knowledge is how we get all this stuff. It says, so if you do these nine things, your life is really going to be good. All this stuff that God gave us with all of His power to have the same life that Jesus had and to, have, uh, and to act just like Him. Now, what's our filter? If we're going to be just like God, does God have this problem? Do you see what? Whatever your problem is in life, that's a, it's an easy filter for me. Is God going to get the Hummer repoed because He can't make the car payment? No. So if God doesn't have that problem, I shouldn't either because He's given me all the equipment that I shouldn't have this problem. If I do, I need to go back and check, am I doing these nine things and where's my knowledge level? Because I know that how I get all these nine things to work in my life is through the knowledge of Him. You, you, am I going too fast? This is all review. right? So, Okay, go to the next one. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and he's forgotten that he was purged of old sins. If you don't stay on top of these nine things, what will happen is you'll forget that you're an equal partner with the Godhead. I mean, no, it, it's, that, that knowledge will slip pretty fast. The first slip in the mud, the first trip, the first time you stub your toe, you'd be like, well, what do you mean I'm an you know, That'll go right out the window. That's why you've got to stay on top of this and constantly remind yourself that you are an equal part. That your sins have already been purged. That means you ain't got to deal with them anymore. They're gone. God says, I don't remember them anymore. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, because if you do these nine things, you shall never fall. It says in the Greek that you'll never fail and you'll never stumble. Isn't that good? Yeah. Alright, go to the next one. Verse 11 says this, For thus... You do these nine things, shall be richly supplied unto you the entrance into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. How many know inside the kingdom where Jesus is ruling, there isn't any problems with houses getting foreclosed? Is there? You get to heaven, right? He says, no, but you know what? The kingdom of God is here and now on the earth. It's in you. So if Jesus is my king and he's the one that's ruling in my life, then I don't have any of these problems because I know in his kingdom there's no corruption. Right? I know there is nobody on the take. I know nobody's going to... And you know what? The taxes are really low. 
Amen. Go to the next one. There's no IRS in, the, in heaven. Verse 12 it says, Wherefore I will not be negligent, Peter says, so I'm not gonna be ne- to put you always in remembrance of these nine things. Even though you know them, and you're established in the present truth, I think it is right or meet that as long as I'm in this tabernacle or this body, that I stir you up and putting you in remembrance. I mean, you know, here, Peter was like a one-message Charlie, right? Where he always preached on the nine things. And then, then next week we taught on the nine things, and then you know, next Easter we're going to start a new series on the nine things, and he never got off the nine things. He says, you know what? But what really, if the nine things that we're talking about give you all the equipment to get the life that Jesus had in your body, what, what else do you really need? Right? If the life that Jesus has, because it says over in 1 John that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. I want to see that show up in real life, real time for me. I don't, it's a nice theory, but I want to see it working in real life, real time. I don't care about theory. That doesn't help me pay my bills. That doesn't help me deal with relationships and people that I'm in relationship with. That doesn't help me deal with sickness or symptoms in my body. I need to know this stuff in real life, real time. I need it to be practical. So, Peter said, I'm always going to put you in remembrance of these nine things and stir up these nine things. Now, after a while, wouldn't, you, wouldn't that get old if I just preach the same message week after week? Y'all would be sick of that. Well, we could hear the same song over and over again, right? I haven't figured that out. But anyway, go to the next one. <laughs> right, amen. All right, so look, here's these nine things. The first one, it says, besides this, giving all diligence. So the first one on the list was diligence. Go to the next one, Mandy. And we saw the diligence is this, that it's attentive and persistent force in doing a thing. It's steadily applied. So you're active and unremitting. You don't do it for a little while and then stop. You're untiring. Constancy of effort, speed and earnestness, and it says meticulous or attention to detail. The opposite of that is lazy or careless, lethargic, indifferent, and apathetic. And we saw that Jesus equates diligence with faithfulness. Go to the next one. In Luke 16 and verse 10, he said this, He that is faithful or diligent in that which is least is faithful and diligent in what is much, and he that is unjust in least will be unjust also in much. So we saw this, that unjust means that you couldn't justify doing what you're doing. You only have so much time in a day, isn't that right? You only have so much energy, don't you? So you need to prioritize what you're going to be faithful and diligent at. Could I justify, if it was just me and Jesus in a room having a Snickers, could I justify to Him what I'm being diligent in? So, you, don't, you can't be diligent in everything. You can't be faithful in everything. So, don't even, so you know, you'll kill yourself if you try. So, what you need to do is prioritize and find out what the thing is that I could justify to me and Jesus in a room having coffee. What, what could I justify to Him being faithful in? So as you imagine, is that, does that help you any real life, real time? It'll help you prioritize what's going on in your life. Because everybody wants you to be diligent and faithful in your thing, or the thing that they're doing. Right? No matter whatever their thing is, their agenda is, they want you to be faithful on their agenda. God's no different. He wants you to be faithful to His agenda, which is the one that will bring you riches, honor, and life. Okay, go to the next one. Then we saw this. Besides giving all diligence, add to your faith. So faith is the next one. Go on, Mandy. We saw that faith is this, that absolute certainty and the trustworthiness of another. And I said it should be God because, you know, you ever heard this? Well, you never know what God's going to do. You never know. Really? That sounds like somebody you don't trust. If you never knew what I was going to do, you wouldn't trust me, would you? Like, if, you know, if we, we said, you said, you know, Andrew, come over to my house for dinner, and then I didn't show up that night and I didn't call you, you might think, well, something happened. But that happened the second time. You'd be like, well, what's up? By about the fifth time, you never know what Andrew's going to do, right? God's not like that. 
He tells us exactly what He's going to do. He told us everything that He did, right? Everything that He is doing and everything that He's going to do in great detail. Right here in the written Word. So if you want to know, get into that. So we said the opposite of this, the opposite of faith and trust, is this disbelief, distrust, doubt, misgiving, skepticism. You know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That ain't in the Bible. The Bible says the opposite. The Bible says, this report of ours is so good, who's going to believe it? That's what Isaiah said. Healing? They're already healed by Jesus' stripes? That we could have riches and honor and life? Who's going to believe that? That's what the prophet said. Who's going to believe that? He said, so if, you're, if you doubt that, or you're skeptical of that, or you're suspicious of that, then you're not believing God. You don't trust Him because He said in His Word, you can't hardly open up a page in the Bible and find out not see healing and riches, honor, and life in there. Uncertainty. Oh, go back one thing. Uncertainty. To be unsure and lacking in confidence. Right? If you're just not sure, what we do is if we're not confident, we'll say this. Well, someday I'll be healed. Someday my ship will come in and I'll be, my inheritance will come in. I'll be riches and I'll have riches and I'll have honor. And I'll have, or we'll put it off all the way till we get to heaven, right? What we're doing is when we push it off like that, we push off all these promises to someday, it's because we we're not confident that God will show up and do what He said right now. And the reason is, is because there was times that we jumped out on what we thought was the promises of God, and it wasn't God talking to us for ourselves. We didn't know God's character, and we're jumping outside of where we should be, and then He didn't show up, and then we'd be like, well, how come God didn't show up? We thought we were believing Him, we thought we were trusting, really it was just an idea we thought up. And so that brings on fear, Right? So then we saw this last week. Got to go to the next one. We saw in 1 Corinthians 10 that everything that the children of Israel did, right, when they left Egypt, remember that Ten Commandments and all that, and Charlton Heston, and okay, remember all that. Right? Everything that they did was for our example and so that we wouldn't do the same thing they did. So we saw this in Exodus 13 and 17 that God will never put you in a spot that's beyond your ability to believe Him. He'll never put you in a spot that goes past your level of trust in Him. So if you don't trust Him, He can't cue you up a good one. Y'all follow that? If you trust Him, he'll, he'll bring the big thing. Okay, now look at this in verse 17. It says this, And it came to pass that when Pharaoh had let the people go, and that God, had not, God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent or turn back when they see war, and then they return to Egypt. Go to the next one. We've got a map up here, right? Goshen was where they started out. Remember where Charlton Hetson and everybody and they left and all the ten plagues and Yule Brenner's kid died? Right, and now it's time to move on. He said, this is the land of the Philistines right along the coast and there's Jericho and here's the promised land. Two weeks it would have taken them, but God said, you know what? They don't have enough trust in me. They don't know enough about my character because guess what? The Bible wasn't written at that time. They had been in slavery for over 400 years. They don't know nothing about their covenant. Moses had to learn about the covenant from a Midianite guy named Jethro, his father-in-law, who was a son, a great-great-grandson of Abraham. He knew more about the covenant than the Hebrews did, being in slavery. So God said, you know what, they don't know enough about me to go the short way, so go to the next one, Mandy. So God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed, or they had other backpacks on out of the land of Egypt. Go to the next one. So instead of going the short way around the coast, they came down here, through the wilderness of the Red Sea, crossed the Red Sea, and came down here to Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia, and then they went up. And we saw that it took them 390 days. Now, remember the golden calf? When they did that, and then Moses came down with the 15, I mean 10 commandments? Right now, it was, 
right? He threw them all down. And then he had to go back up. It was an extra 40 days. So if you take the 40 off the 390, if they didn't do the gold calf thing and have that big party, they could have been there in 350 days. Now what that tells me is that without the Bible, without having being born again, without Jesus, without anything, that in 350 days, God said they could go from zero, knowing nothing about me, into walking into riches, honor, and life. That in 350 days, that's enough time for them to learn about my character, to go in there and take great walled cities. With no army, they're slaves. They're not armed. They couldn't just go down to the gun shop and pick up a few, you know, rifles. They didn't have weapons when they left Egypt. Do you They were like brick makers. Do you They couldn't. There's no shops to go out and get weapons. They didn't have any blacksmiths to beat out swords. Any weapons that they got was whatever they could pick up out there. Do you all ever think about this stuff? God said, in 350 days, less than a year, I could take you from zero, not knowing enough about me, to having enough knowledge to walk into riches, honor, and life. Go to the next one. We saw this in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that but without faith, without trust in God, it's impossible to please Him. So He ain't interested in your behavior checklist. He don't care if you don't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew, or go out with those that do. He don't care about you feeding the homeless and going to church every time the door is open and doing your quiet time every day. What He cares about is, do you believe me? Do you trust me? When I say something, do you really take me at my word? Then that's the only thing that gets, flips his happy switch. Do you believe me? So quit beating yourself up over you didn't do enough good stuff or you did bad stuff. Do you believe God? That's all he's looking for. Okay? And this is that he that comes to God must believe that he is. So you've got to believe that God's there. Obviously, right? That's the first level. But a lot of people stop there. He's, but no, but he's a rewarder, and that Greek word is that he gives cash for free to those that diligently seek him or crave him. He says, you've got to believe that I'm a rewarder, that I give you cash for free if you crave me. And a lot of Christians, they don't believe that. that. That's heresy. They wouldn't even want anybody to say it. They'll, they'll get stuck on the he is, and they'll get stuck on the I diligently seek, but we skipped over the part that he's a rewarder. Meaning that does not please him. If you think that God's stingy, well, think about it. If you got kids and your kids thought you were stingy, wouldn't you rather them believe that you're a rewarder, that they get good stuff from you for just being your kid? Right, parents? Wouldn't you give them good stuff just because they're your kid? God's the same. He says, all right, He's our Father. That's the same relationship that He has with us. Amen. Go to the next one. Oh, that's so good, Andrew. We saw this in Psalm 31, 23. It said, Oh, love the Lord, all ye His saints. That's everybody that's born again is a saint. Okay? So watch the levels. The Lord preserves the faithful. So the people that are diligent, they get the protection. He preserves them. I mean, no, you can be born again and not be diligent or faithful. Right? Right. And so you don't get the covenant protection if you're not faithful. And then look at the next level. And He plentifully rewards the proud doer. The third level is proud doer. You don't get the reward unless you're a proud doer. You could be faithful and be preserved and never get the reward. And you could be born again and not even get protection. That's how come bad stuff happens to good people. Nobody's ever teaching this stuff. We're just, you know, you think that once you got saved, it's all good. We don't ever get past that. No, you got to, right, love them. Then we be faithful, and then let's go be a proud doer. Because that's where the plentiful reward is. That's why there's not a whole lot of people with plentiful rewards, because they're not really doing, let alone proudly doing. Go to the next one. Now, back to the children of Israel, remember? They, the, the spies went in, ten were bad, two were good. They went in and checked out the land for 40 days, right? The first time, and now they came back. Now, here's, we'll go over this real quick again. Verse uh, 25 in Numbers 13, it says, And they returned 
from searching the land for 40 days. So six weeks they're out checking out their inheritance. And then they went and they came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and they brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. So they brought back grapes and anything that they could find they, could, they, they brought back so they could show them what was there. So go to the next one. And they told them, they told Moses, and they said, We came unto the land that you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey and here's the fruit of it and it is good. So it's good right now. Ain't it? We're, we're doing good. Good report. Nevertheless, uh-oh, started going south already. Right? But now when I read this, I can't read it how they read it. I can't, I'm going to say it to you how I see it. And watch, it's the same facts. The way they say it, they think they're going to get their butts kicked. When I say it, it sounds good. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. Well, do you want a bunch of anorexic weaklings building your houses? I want strong people building the stuff, right? That's good news to me because the strong people build strong stuff. And the cities are walled. Good. We don't have to set up defenses. They're already built. They're thinking, they're walled. How are we going to get in? I'm thinking, they're walled. Once we get in, no one else can. Did y'all follow me? And the cities are, are very great. Good. I said last week, I'd rather have L.A. than Sugar Tit. Well, that's an actual city. It's a zip code. Wouldn't you? There, all the things in Sugar Tit is a go-kart track and a, and a, where, and a uh, hardware store. That's it. Wouldn't you want a big city? A great city in this little... Okay, so I'm thinking that's great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Anak's kids were giants. Which I'm thinking is great because then I don't have to be Luke Skywalker in Yoda's house bumping my head on everything. Because I know they built... big. Remember with Elf and the ginormous toilet? Remember when he was in that little house? Would you want to live like that? And so what is the problem here, guys? Go to the next one. And then they said, and the Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and they dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. Good, the whole land's developed. If you want a mountain cabin, they got it. If you like a beach house, they got it. If you want to be on the river, they got it. Well, what are you crying about? You got everything you want. And Caleb stilled the people because everybody's freaking out because they're saying it not in a good way. Oh, my, we can't do it. We can't. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it because God is able to overcome them. Is that what he said? Who's able? We are able. He said, not just able, we're well able. So who was it on? See, because nobody, there's nobody that doesn't believe God can't do it. Right? There's nobody that believes God's not able. What it comes down to is, do we believe that we can do what God told us to do? If God told us we can get it, now it's on us to go get it. And do we believe we can? Go to the next one. But the men, the other the ten spies that went up with him, said, we be not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. They didn't, they, they're the same, same group, same family. They all came up, same covenant. They got the same Ten Commandments, right? Saw the same Red Sea get parted, walked through. They knew God could do the stuff. They seen it. So what's the difference? They didn't believe in themselves. So, after giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue or valor. That was the difference. It wasn't that they didn't believe God couldn't do it. They didn't believe they could do it. We saw this go to the next one, Mandy. That valor is courage, boldness, bravery, and fearless, especially in battle. Now, I want to tell you that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to dominate your fear. 
Because your flesh is going to fear. Do you know that? That's the first thing that came with the curse of the fall when Adam and Eve ate the fruit. The first thing that came out of Adam's mouth when God showed up was, I heard you and I was afraid. That's why I hid myself, because I was afraid. Adam didn't fear nothing before. He's naming the lions, the tigers, and the bears. Oh my! And he wasn't afraid till the curse of the fall came. So listen, we're all made of flesh. We're going to have fear. What this valor business is, is that you dominate your fear and you override it to go do what God said that you could do. It's not about believing whatever you want to believe, but it's about believing that you could do whatever God told you you could. The opposite of fear is cowardice. It's being fearful. It's timid. I mean, the opposite of uh, virtue. I'm sorry. It's timid. It's faint-hearted. If you're shrinking or you're shy from something or you're skittish about it or you retreat or you're subdued, all right, that's not going to help your faith any. You need to add courage and boldness to your faith. You are well able to go do whatever. God will never cue you up, put you in a spot for you to fail. You all know that, right? Would you, those of you who have kids, would you ever put your kids in a spot where they would fail? No. So how much more would God not do it to us? Go to the next one. We saw this in Joshua 14. Now, watch this. I, I, I put some stuff in here for us to remember because it fits into the next thing. Joshua 14.6 says this, And the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, remember Caleb, were well able? Now, this is 45 years later. 45 years later. After that day where Caleb said, We could go, and the other one said, We can't. They didn't. And I, and I said this last week. You know, if you surround yourself with people that don't believe you can, it'll keep you from doing and getting riches, honor, and life. So you want to surround yourself with people that believe that you can just like they believe they can. Because it cost this guy 45 years because of who he was with. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenzanite, said unto Joshua, You know that the Lord, when he said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea, that 40 years old I was when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea, to spy out the land. That's when they went in the first time. Now I want you to remember that, that they went in to spy out the land. Just put it on the back burner. We'll get to it in a minute. He said, And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt, but I was wholly following the Lord my God. Y'all remember that from last week? It says it five or six times in there that Joshua wholly followed the Lord just because he said we're well able to do what God told us to do. Go to the next one. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely... The land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. Now, how many know if his feet didn't trod anywhere, he wouldn't get very much inheritance? That's a great promise, but your feet got to go somewhere if you want to get something. If you're, otherwise, your inheritance will be right where you're standing. And your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive these forty and five years, even since Moses spake, or the Lord spake the word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And lo, now I'm fourscore and five years old. I'm 85 years old today, Caleb said. Go to the next one. And yet, I'm as strong as I was the day that Moses sent me, and my strength is even as it is now. And in case you didn't know what he's talking about, he said, for war, I can go to war. Hand-to-hand combat, it wasn't that sniper business, right? It wasn't calling in artillery and airstrikes. It was hand-to-hand back then. Both to go out and come in. I can do offense and I can do defense. And now, therefore, give me this mountain wherefore the Lord spake to me that day. For you heard 
in the day, that was 40 years ago, how the Anamakins, the giants, remember, were there and that the cities were great and fenced. And if the Lord be with me, then I'll be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Now, we said this last week. The only thing in the equation that God has to do with is, is His Word, what He said, true or not? Do you see that? He said, if it's as the Lord said, then I'm able to do it. That's as far as God's going in the whole equation is, you can do it, and, it, and then I have to decide if, this is, if He's true, it's true, then I'm able to do it. And that's the only thing in the equation. God ain't going to do nothing else after He decreed the thing. If He said you can do it, then He's done. Do you all follow that? Okay. Now remember this, that he spied out the land and he heard in that day and then he gave an intel report. There's giants and the cities are fenced and great and they had a big defense and they're on top of a mountain. Go to the next one. And so Joshua blessed them and Caleb gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite, unto this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And watch this. The name of Hebron used to be Kerjoth Harba because Arba was the great man among the Anakins, the giants, and the land had rest for more. He did so good in wiping that place out that they changed the name of it. From the guy that used to run the show to Hebron. Was he well able? Now, a couple things. He espied out the land, and then he knew exactly what he was going up against, didn't he? He gave an intel report. He said, who was there? He said what their cities were and he said what their defenses were. You know what he did? Before he went in there with boldness and courage and went to war on his faith and diligence, what he added to all that was information or knowledge. You all see that? Go to the next one. Besides this, 2 Peter 1, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue or valor and to your virtue and valor knowledge. Listen, I'm glad that you're bold, but you don't want to run into anywhere unless you have information into what you're going into. God sent them in to spy out the land for six weeks before they went in there to find out information or knowledge of what the land was. They didn't go in there blind. Do you all follow that? Then Caleb, 45 years later. He wait, they went in there to Jericho 40 years later. Five years he's out fighting battles with the Israelites taking Jericho and Ai and Gilgal. How I many know? I guarantee he went up there and eyeballed a Hebron. It took him five years to get his intel report and get everything together. And then he told Joshua, I'm ready to go. Do you? So if you don't have all the knowledge that you need, don't be jumping out there in the middle of something without knowledge. I've seen people do that and it ends up there in a disaster zone. You all found that? Now I'm going to show you that in the Scripture. Is that all right? But wait, we all know, right, in Hosea that it says that my people perish for a... Lack of knowledge. So if you have a lack of knowledge, it can kill you. How many know if you don't know that if you stick your finger in a light socket that something's going to happen, it'll kill you? Isn't that why we're always telling the kids we put the little, the little protectors on for the kids? Because they don't know that they're not supposed to stick their finger in there? Isn't that why we put the locks on the cabinets where all the cleaning supplies are? Because the kids don't know that they shouldn't drink that stuff? I mean, no, if you don't know something, it could kill you. But Christians, we're very happy to just sit back and not know nothing. Oh, amen, Andrew. I know that's right. Keep preaching. Ooh, glory. All right, don't shut me down now. Go to the next one. Now, we saw this. This word, we didn't see this. Well, we did it when we first looked at it, but I want to look at it in depth. That the Greek word for knowledge that's used there is the word science. And here's exactly what it means. Information 
especially that gained through observation, identification, description, investigation, experience, and explanation. Some of you know that there's some work involved on our end to get knowledge, isn't there? All these things are action words. They're called verbs. You all remember that? Right? I have to observe something. I need to identify something. I can describe something. I have to investigate something. I have to either experience something or I've got to have something explained to me. That's how you get knowledge. Did you all find that? Now here's the opposite of it. Ignorance. You just don't know. You'd be unaware. Right? You ever... If you were unaware, you ever heard that? Let uh, you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, and it was 25 miles an hour here, and you go, "Well, I didn't know." I mean, no, that didn't keep you from getting the ticket, did it? Incomprehension. If you don't understand something, it'll still kill you. If you don't understand, sticking your finger in a light socket is going to kill you. How many know it'll still kill you whether you understand it or not? Do y'all follow this? If you, you know, you take a chainsaw to your leg, and you don't know that it'll cut you, you didn't understand. How many know it's going to cut you the same? Whether you know or you don't know. You follow this? And, and incapacity. You don't have the capacity. If you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the capacity to pull off whatever you're doing. That's why I don't like do stuff with my car, like under the hood, because I don't have the capacity to pull it off. Not only do I have the knowledge, I don't have the tools, and how many know I don't want to wreck that thing? Okay? Now look, any of these things, ignorance, unawareness, incomprehension, it puts you in a position of being weak, helpless, and powerless. Do you all understand? If you don't have knowledge, what we say, knowledge is power. That's not necessarily in the Bible, but it says if you don't have knowledge, it'll kill you. You all found this? Okay, now, go to the next one. King Solomon, when he took over for David, David was 70 years old. You all remember David, how big, I mean, he killed Goliath, right? The lion, the tiger, the bear, Goliath. Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. This guy, you remember David? Great man in war, great man after God's own heart, all that. Seventy years old. David reigned for forty years. Now Solomon is between eighteen and twenty years old when they hand him the throne. Think about how much did you know at eighteen to twenty, and could you run like a country? Probably couldn't even run the house. Probably, you know, doing the laundry was a problem. This guy's running the whole show now. How I many know that's like an old crap moment? It is. If they hand you this and go, Daddy just died, you're in charge, and everybody's looking at you, what do we do now, King? And you're 18. You guys got Xbox? Yeah. Right? All right, so here we go. Second Chronicles 1 and verse 7. Here we go. In that night, the night that they handed all this over to Solomon, how do you know he ain't sleeping too good? God did appear unto Solomon, and he said unto me, Ask what I shall give thee. Now, how many know, that's, that's like the genie, right? Isn't it kind of like, you know, anything you want, give me your three wishes. He said, give me whatever you want. Ask whatever it is that I'll give you. This is the creator of the universe. I mean, he can back that up. Don't waste it. What are you going to ask for? Go to the next one. And Solomon said unto God, You have showed great mercy unto David my father, and you made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord, let your promise unto David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. So it's big. They've been growing. Go to the next. Give me now wisdom and knowledge 
Now, wisdom in the Hebrew means skillfulness in using knowledge, that you're skilled in using knowledge. So not only do you give me knowledge, but I need to know how to use it and apply it the right way at the right time. These two things go hand in hand. Because how many y'all ever know like the bookworm that has a lot of knowledge but no wisdom? You can, you can recite a lot of facts and figures, but that don't help you in real life, real time, if you don't know how to use them to your advantage. You, you all with me on that? He said, I need that. That I may go out and come in before this people, because who can judge or make decisions for this thy people that is so great? I mean, this guy's on the right track. Go to the next one. And God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart. Now, this wasn't just something that he decided he'd ask. I mean, this really, he really thought that. It was really in his heart that he wanted. He didn't think, oh, that'll be good. Let me, let me get the angles on this. If I tell God I want wisdom, then he'll say, that's good. And that's what he wants to hear. And No, this is what was really in his heart. I mean, a lot of times we'll, we'll tell God or people around us what we think that they want to hear. Oh, don't look at me like you don't. You tell God what you think he wants you to hear. What, he, what you think he wants to hear. Oh, God, I'm saying the word. Five minutes later, you'd be cussing and saying, I can't believe I'm sick. I can't believe I can't pay my bill. Right? But you'll tell while you're with God, you'll tell him what you think he wants to hear. You'll do the same thing with me. Don't look at me like that. I know it's true. <laughs> All right, go, here we go. So he said, because this was in your heart, you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor, nor the life of your enemies. Neither yet has you asked, have you asked for long life, but you asked for wisdom and knowledge. For yourself, that you may judge or make decisions concerning my people over whom I have made you king. Go to the next one. And wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the other kings that have been before you, neither shall there be any after the like. Sounds a lot like Proverbs 22, 4, Covenant for Dummies, by humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. He says wisdom and knowledge, and then because you ask for that, you're going to get riches and honor and long life. Because how many know if you have the knowledge and you have the ability to use knowledge, it'll bring wealth. It ain't going to fall on you. If you have knowledge of business deals and you know how to use that knowledge at the right time, you could turn that information into profit. If you have knowledge of what will make you healthy and how to eat right and exercise right and what the right stuff is to do, I mean, if you apply that knowledge, it will help you live longer. You understand? If you have knowledge and wisdom of how you, know, you interact with people and you apply that knowledge with wisdom, you'll have a better relationship with people. You all follow that? This is very practical. It's not some, whoo, it falls on you. Now, we got a couple ways, now I don't, we got a couple ways we could go with this. Because there's a couple things that you need to learn. That there's one side of it that, I'm, that God will put that knowledge into you supernaturally that He'll teach you. It says that the Holy Ghost is our teacher. That He'll teach you all things. And then there's another side of it where God will bring people across your path that will teach you. So really, we're like at a crossroads because, and I don't even really want to teach you the part of the supernatural because we already think that that will just fall on us half the time. But I will show you in the, in the Scripture, I think next week, that part of it. But the part of it over here that you've got to get the knowledge for yourself, and you know what? It isn't all just knowledge about stuff in your covenant. It's stuff that you need in real life, real time. Real, in work, at work, in relationships. So you know what? If you don't have that knowledge, how many know it'll kill you? 
If you're not getting promotions, it's because you don't have knowledge and wisdom and you're not using it. Because, I mean, what's the thing? Think of the thing that's keeping you, just say it's a promotion at work, keeping you from getting promoted or getting a raise. It's the boss. Really? Well, if you had knowledge of what it would be that you could say to the boss that would get him to go, they need a raise. And then you knew the right exact time to say it, wisdom. I mean, no, you'd get the raise, wouldn't it? If that was the thing that was keeping you from it. You all follow me? That's why we need to educate ourselves on whatever it is that God has cued us up. How many know that the spies did not go into Turkey, right, when the promised land was Canaan? They didn't go spy out Turkey. So don't waste your time trying to gain knowledge and there's something that's other than what God's got you queued up for. Do you all follow that? Because there's a lot of voices out there, remember this from conscience series, and none of them is without signification. Y'all follow that? Now, I want to show you right here. Let's come over here to Exodus. Could you tell I was stalling until God gave me something? I was just trying to wait for a direction. I'm just being straight up with you. I was just waiting until God gave me direction. That's all right. Is that all right? Exodus 35. I want you to know that this is not the knowledge that's on this list of these nine things is separate from the knowledge of God's character and the knowledge of your covenant. Because he talked about that knowledge about five times. Remember when we read in Second Peter? He said, the peace, grace and peace comes to you through knowledge of God and knowledge of Christ Jesus. That exceeding great and precious promise, they all come through the knowledge of Him. This is a different kind of... This isn't the knowledge of your covenant. This isn't knowledge of God. This is knowledge in the world and how the world system works. Now, do you remember when we talked about the four kinds of wisdom to make your decisions? The wisdom of the Word, filtering your... Do you remember that? That if we made our decisions, that we took... Now, if we take all that knowledge from the world and then we run it through the filter of the Word, how many know that will produce life? If you take that knowledge and you run it through earthly wisdom, which is everybody else's experience since Adam was here, earthly wisdom, man's experience, it won't produce life, but it'll probably keep you from getting killed. Like, don't play in the street. Or you could use, right, sensual knowledge, or sensual wisdom, I'm take that knowledge and use your own, whatever you're, you see, you hear, whatever your own experience is, and I mean, no, that probably isn't too good. Because your experience is limited, isn't it? What you see, what you hear, and take what you know and add all that together, is not that good. Or the last one is devilish wisdom, right? And you run that to take this information and run it through ambition and competition. And I'll claw to the top and then I'll step on whoever I need to to get there. But that won't produce life either. So what we need to do is take knowledge, science, the workings of things, and run it through the filter wisdom of the Word. And that will produce life. Because what I'm going to teach you right now is not that you, you already know you need to know knowledge of the written Word. You need to know knowledge of God's character for any of this overall stuff to work. But this knowledge in the middle of this nine things is the science and the workings of things on planet Earth. It has nothing to do with the covenant at this point. You all understand that? Okay, go to Exodus 35. Now right here, Moses just came down the second time, right? And he's got all of the measurements for this tabernacle because they're going to start this new religion called Judaism. You know, before that they didn't have that. You understand? They didn't have priests, they didn't have temple, they didn't have nothing. So he's got all the measurements of how we're going to do it. I mean, no, God doesn't do anything half-tail. He ain't building himself a single wide. And they're in the desert. Remember all that stuff they got from the Egyptians, the earrings and all the good, you know, the clothes and all that stuff? Time to put that to use. Okay? 
So Moses said, here's all the dimensions, here's everything, how are we going to do it? So look over here in verse uh, 30 of Exodus 35. And so Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, now here's how we do it. See, the Lord has called by name Bazalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in knowledge, or understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in cutting stones, and to set them, and in the carving of wood, and to make any manner of cunning work, and he has put it in his heart that he may teach both he and Ahilob, the son of Ahismach, the tribe of Dan, and them hath he filled with wisdom of the heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman and of the embroiderer and in blue and in purple and scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver and to them that do any work these things to devise cunning work. Does that sound like anything to do with ministry? Or the covenant? Or anything, does it? No, but these guys, they're, they're some handy-dandy workmen, aren't they? I mean, they can whittle. They, they can carve stone. Right? They can sew and weave. These are some skilled laborers, aren't they? And not only that, they're creative because they could devise curious and cunning work. And where did it come from? It says God put it in their heart. And then the other crew, He took the two that He put it in their heart and made them to teach everybody else. Do you all see that? Okay, so just keep reading verse 1 of chapter 36. He said, And then Bazalil and Aholiab... Why couldn't they just be like Joe and Sam? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on, guys. And every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all the Lord commanded. And Moses called Bazalil and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even, now watch this, here's the key, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. Did you all see that? Who came to do the work? Everybody whose heart stirred them up, they got the knowledge. If your heart doesn't stir you up, you're not going to go get knowledge. Let's just be, let's just be frank with it. And most people, we won't even stir our heart up. We'll sit down in front of the boob tube and watch entertaining stuff, which is mind candy, but it isn't helping us gain any knowledge to get to where we need to go. We won't spend any money on educating ourselves. We'll spend a lot of stuff on just doing whatever, which we like, and it's good for our flesh. And you know what? It takes concentration, and it takes a lot of you know, hard work, really, to discipline yourself to go after knowledge but you know what? The ones that do, it's because their heart stirred them up to go get it. So if you want it, it starts with you. God will meet you. Did you notice that? That He gave them all the tools and all the information and all the skill to do it, but they had to stir their hearts up and come after it and get it. Did you see that? And in case you were wondering that it was just the men, if you back up in chapter 35 and look at verse 25, just back on the page or whatever, it says, And all the women 
that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands, and they brought that which they had spun, both of blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and all the women whose hearts stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. So if you want what God has cued you up, you spent all that time, you were diligent and faithful and little. And then you worked on having your knowledge, your relationship with God so that you trusted His character. Then He brings you to your inheritance, your promised land. Alright? And now so it's going to take boldness for you to go get it. Before you jump into the fight, you better get some knowledge about what you're entering into. Don't jump into some business deal and don't know nothing about it. I did that with rental properties and it's been a pain in my backside for the last four years because I jumped into something that I didn't have any knowledge of. And I violated my conscience and then I go, oh God, I didn't say, oh God, I already knew. So, oh God, help me, not, oh God, how come I'm here? Because I already knew. You, you all following this? Mm-hmm. This is big. Because if you don't stir your own heart up, if your heart isn't stirred up to gain the information, it ain't going to fall on you. There's a lot of work you've got to do in order to get what God told you is yours on our end. Here's God's, here's God's end. Is what He said is true? Then you're able to do it. And then He's done. Somebody want to get me a Coke over here? He's sitting on the throne, sitting back watching the show of how his kids do good. How many of you guys, you guys got sons that play high school football? How many of you can't get on the field and do it for them? Can you? No, even if you, I mean, sometimes you'd want to take the hit for them or you want to do, you, know, you could see stuff, right? But in the middle of, no, it's on them. They've got to increase their own skills and their own abilities on the field if they want to do good in the game. Isn't that right? Same thing in life. But see, Christians, we just think it's going to fall on us. So we sit and we just, oh, you know, it's a worm in the dirt for Jesus and all. we make up stuff like it's holy to be poor and it's great to suffer for Jesus and when the great by and by, if I hold on and press on, I'll fly away. Well, go ahead and fly away, because if that's all there is to life, you might as well just beat the jump and just go jump off a bridge and get there fast. Why would you sit down here for 50, 60, 80 years being miserable? So everybody whose heart stirs them up and goes after this, God will get them the information. Either He'll put it there supernaturally, He'll send somebody to teach it to you, He'll put people across your path, and He'll make sure that you get the knowledge. Now, how does that look in real life, real time? You ever Google anything? How hard is that? You got an idea? Start there. Google it. You don't even have to go to the library to research stuff anymore. I mean, my Lord, how much easier could it get? These guys had to like go sneak in somewhere and for 40 days live out under the stars and try not to get killed because you know what they do with spies. All right? All you got to do is like uh, enter. That's the first step. Get knowledge. Now come over, go to the next one. We'll finish up with this, this, and then we'll get into the other side of it next week. There's a lot more to this. But look at this in Ecclesiastes 10. In verse 8 it says this, He that digs a pit will fall into it. Now, you understand Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. Remember the guy that way back then when he was 18? Now he's old. This is right before he died that he wrote this. So how many know he's been putting this stuff to practice for a long time? Remember, knowledge came from observation. A lot of stuff here is he's just given observations. 
He said, I've seen people digging ditches and they fall into it. And whosoever breaks a hedge, you ever do that? You ever be out like, you know, out there uh, cutting brush? He said, a serpent will bite him. Whosoever removes stones, drop one on your foot, will be hurt therewith. And he that cleaves with wood, cleaves wood, you're out there splitting the lumber, shall be endangered thereby. And then he tells us why. He said, if the iron be blunt, if the axe head is not sharp, if it's blunt, and you don't wet or sharpen the edge, then must he put more strength to the axe. But wisdom is profitable to direct. If you don't take the time to sharpen your tools, first off, you've got to get the right tool. <laughs> Mike and I were talking about that last night, right? I'm out there with a screwdriver trying to dig a root out of the ground. Mike brings over his sawzall and just chops it. Right? So I'm like, I need an axe. Mike said, no, you need a sawzall. See how I did better? So I'm out there with a the screwdriver. I mean, no, I was putting a lot of strength to that. Yeah, when Mike got there with the sawzall, he just like, hey, do you understand? So, you know, it de- because I didn't have the tools, how I many know I wasn't using wisdom? Was I being skillful in knowledge? I knew a screwdriver isn't for digging roots out of the ground. What's a screwdriver for? Truths, not roots. I knew that. Didn't y'all find this? But because I'm using whatever I got and I didn't take the time to go, you know, get the right tool, I'm out there with a the screwdriver on a root. Using more strength. I mean, it wasn't long before, you know, started doing the bad checklist, you know, cussing, drinking, smoking, or chewing. Because if you use the wrong tool and you get frustrated, it is a real short time before you're on that list. Isn't it? Come on. That's why I don't try to do handyman stuff. Because it takes... My, my time limit to get there is about 35 seconds. No lie. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? So I have trouble controlling my flesh in that area. It's better for me not to even do it. Now that's wisdom. <laughs> but listen, if you don't take time to get the right tool and sharpen the tool, and I, you know, we hit a knot yesterday when we were running that sawzall, and smoke started coming out the blade. How the blade was shot. Was there any teeth left on nothing? Somebody's like, well, we're done until I get another blade, right? Because I mean, no, it's not cutting anymore. That was wisdom. Me, I would have just kept sitting there with the things, wondering why it's smoking, right? Probably burnt the whole thing up. So don't get engaged in something that you don't know anything about, first off. And then you need to find out what tools you need and get some skill with those tools, whatever it is. If it's business, then get some tools with whatever the business deal is. If it's mortgages, you better know what the loan structure is and what the regulations are. In my case, real estate, I needed to know property values. I needed to know property taxes. I needed to know loan structures. And I didn't know any of that, and it bit me in the tail end. And then, you know, and then we'll go, why? I don't know why. Well, I do. I was stupid. So let's not do that one again. Let's find out what we need to find out on the front end. You know what? If you take time to do it the right way the first time, I mean, you're not going to get delayed for 40 years like the children of Israel. If you don't have time to do it right the first time, you definitely ain't got time to wait around until it's queued up again the second time. So when God queues you up, well, see how many of these, all these nine things, it's almost, God, how hard is this? It's not really, because once you get into it, you'll see how they all fit together and you're, once you get on the track, it's easy. But if we ain't been doing any of this stuff, 
I mean, no, we're starting from zero. Wow, we've got to get our stuff together. But how long will that take? When we took, in God's eyes, it don't take you 350 days. So it doesn't take you a long time. You don't, you know, it shouldn't take you a long time. But, don't, but 350 days, that seems like a long time when you're scrapping to survive. D- doesn't it? Two days seems a long time if I you know, you don't have money to put in the gas tank, if you don't have money to pay the power bill, if you don't have money to eat the gro- get the groceries. Right? You ever run out of, you know, have too much month at the end of the payday or whatever? How long is that? That's a long time, isn't it? So, and these guys, they were on manna. They were wilderness living. They couldn't go. You know when manna came? In the morning. Guess what? See you tomorrow. You slept in. You missed breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Did y'all find this? 350 days is a long time. So you not sleep in or else you miss breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you got to sit down and make it, you know, sit down and just get quiet and stir your own heart up. Because until your heart's stirred up, you're not going to go after knowledge. We're not going to. We're going to sit and do the easy thing. Suck down a popsicle and watch whatever's on TV. And oh good, we got the movie package this week for free. Y'all follow me? There's a lot of distractions out there, and then we wonder why it's taking so long. Don't always say that the Bible says to redeem your time. It never tells you to redeem anything else but your time. So let's think, what are we doing with our time? I'm very conscious of what my time is and where I allot stuff. I block it out. Okay, I mean, sometimes Kimmy gets upset, and I'll get upset if I'm off my time block, which that's not necessarily a good thing. But it's better than not having any idea what I'm doing with all my time and just wasting it. Because wasting it is not going to get us to riches, honor, and life. Stand your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come alongside of us. And as we stir our hearts for knowledge that you put it in there, you bring people across our path, you get us the information that we have to know. And as we mix it with the wisdom of the Word, it will produce results in real life, real time. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.